0: Uh, I want us to pray a little prayer that I'll use probably each service. Uh, it's why I came, and I hope it's why you came. And I want God to answer this prayer. Lord, speak to me. Just those four words. Lord, speak to me. Uh, you know, the, there was an old African-American song that said, Not my brother nor my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Uh, and it's easy to come to a place like this and say, Lord, if you'd work in that person's life or this person's life, we'd get it all straightened out. But, you know, God wants to work in each of our lives. And I just pray we'll draw a circle. Take a piece of chalk, imaginary chalk, and draw a circle around yourself. Say, God, move inside that circle. Lord, speak to me. You bow your head and let's pray it together out loud. Together. Lord, speak to me. Lord, we give you these next few moments, and uh, we ask that you would speak to our hearts and that we would be obedient to the sweet voice of your spirit. And God, I pray that every one of us will do what we will be glad we did when one day we stand before you as our king. For it's in your precious and lovely name we pray, amen. Jesus Christ is Lord. Past eternity recognizes His Lordship. Coming eternity anticipates His Lordship. In fact, the Bible says that all of creation literally groans for the coming of the Lord. Colossians says that He is the essence that holds all creation together. He is Lord. Now, We've been reared in a society that says that's my opinion and I have a right to my opinion but you've got a right to your opinion and you know life goes on. But the Lordship of Jesus Christ is a fact and I want to illustrate it in this way. There's this and you can formulate any opinion you want to about the Lordship of Christ but that does not change the fact that He is Lord. You can acknowledge it, you can deny it but none of us can escape the fact that He is Lord. There's, a, uh, there's this law called gravity. And that law says, as long as I drop this Bible, it's going to fall. As long as i got strength to pick it up, it's a law. It's called gravity. Now, you can formulate any opinion you want to about the law of gravity. You can say, Steve, you know, I've been studying this thing called the law of gravity. And, you know, I'm just not sure it's true. Okay, well, climb up to the highest building in Fredericksburg and jump. You know, your your opinion doesn't alter the fact that He is Lord. And one of these days, the Bible is very clear about this, Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every person that's ever lived is going to acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So we have this option. We can do it now or we can do it later, but we're all going to do it. When I was a kid, Madeline Mary O'Hara was a famous atheist in America, and she took the Bibles, one person took the Bibles out of schools. She said it was not real. The Lordship of Jesus Christ was just somebody's opinion. One day, Madeline Mary O'Hara is going to bow before the Lordship of Christ. One day, Hitler will bow before the Lordship of Christ. One day, the most evil person that has ever lived will bow before the Lordship of Christ. All of creation will bow before Him. The question is, are you acknowledging His Lordship in your own life now? If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Mark, chapter 4. And this is a historical account of Jesus and His disciples crossing the Sea of Galilee. And um, I'm going to draw some parallels from this text that applies, I think, to all of us. And I want us to look at it in that light. But first, let's read Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 35. That day when evening came, He said to His disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took Him along just as He was in the boat. There were also other little boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Peace, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified. And they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and waves obey Him. Now, I want us to see three things in this text tonight. I want us to see the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want us to learn from, I think, some mistakes that the disciples made. And I pray that all of us will catch a glimpse. Of his majesty. But what's his ministry? I, I think his ministry parallels this story. He says to the disciples at the end of a busy day, hey guys, you got a boat. There's this sea called the Sea of Galilee. I want to go to the other side. Let me onboard your boat and let's go across the sea together. In essence, that's what he says to every one of us. He says, Steve, you got this life. And I made you to live in relationship with me. I want to come on board your ship. And I want to sail through life with you. I want to go to the other side with you. The question is, have you asked him to come on board your ship? I hope you have. And if you haven't, I pray that before this service is over, you will have made the most important decision in all of life, and that is to know Christ. But even when they asked him on board their ship, they made some mistakes, and we're going to look at that in a minute but I want you to know this sailing across the sea. It was not all easy. Of course, the storm came up, but his plan, his purpose is to get us to the other side. We sang that song, I'll Never Leave You. Was that that the phrase in that song? Something similar to that. I mean, that's true. He he says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm going to be with you to the very end. You can count on that. He is Lord, and he wants to be Lord of your life. Now, the disciples asked him on board that ship, and maybe you're here tonight, and you can remember a time and a place you said, Lord, come on board my ship. But even though he was on board that ship, they made some mistakes, I think. And I want us to learn from those mistakes. The first one, they misunderstood his position. Now, I want you to use your imagination a little bit. Just imagine you're on this boat now, these were fishermen. I mean, at least some of them, they had grown up around the Sea of Galilee. In all probability, their dad and their granddad had been a fisherman. It was a part of the family. They had seen storms. They had known all the, heard all these stories of storms on the sea. They knew all about all of that. And I can just see them being caught up in their own world. I mean, Jesus, He can feed the hungry and he can heal the sick and he can raise the dead, but I mean, we know how to sail this boat. And I, I just sort of think they put Jesus in the back of the boat and started across, where, and having a good time talking. And then the storm comes up, and I think Peter was a sort of a take charge kind of guy. At least that's the way I stereotype it. I can just hear him barking out orders: "Come on, guys, put your back to it. Row, trim the sail." It starts taking on water. Bail it out. And then all of a sudden, these guys who had grown up around the Sea of Galilee, had been in storm after storm, had an aha moment. They said, we're going to die. We're going to drown. And somebody remembered Jesus. He's in the back of the boat. Now, i got a personal question I want to ask you. Where is Jesus Christ tonight in relationship to you? Have you invited him on board your ship? And if you have, is He captain of your ship? Is He Lord of your life? Is He sitting on the throne of your life? That's where He wants to be. He created you to live in relationship with Him. He created you so that He would direct you through life. He has plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. He needs to be on the throne of your life. And it's so easy for all of us, I think, to... Start sailing in our own strength and our own effort and our own intellect, and sort of forget who's on board our ship. I mean, it's one thing to to trust him when I really need him. But you know, I think I get in this situation where I I can handle this. I mean, it's easy for all of us to get in that mode of operation. I mean, look for instance, tonight if I want to stop and get something to eat. Uh, you know, I got money to do that. If I don't have money, I got a piece of plastic. I mean, I I can sort of live like I'm in control. But he wants to be Lord of my life in every segment of my life, not just the areas where I know I need him. But he wants to penetrate us in such a way that we need to know that we need him in every area of our life. And I think they relegated Jesus to the back of the boat just to be out of the way. I see bumper stickers sometimes. On, I'm not picking up if you got one of these. But I see them on trucks a lot. God is my co-pilot. He better not be. See, he doesn't come on board our ship to be co-anything. He comes on board our ship to be Lord of our, our lives. The first mistake I believe they made is position. They put him in the back of the boat. And I simply ask you tonight, where is he? In relationship to you. He came into your life. He saved you. He redeemed you. If you know him, if you invited him in, he wants to be on the throne of your life. Not just on Saturday night or Sunday morning. I mean as a way of life 24-7. He wants to be on the throne. They misunderstood his position. They misunderstood his purpose. Here he was asleep on board their boat. I mean... This is the God of all creation. This is the God that spoke the world into existence. This is the God that knit you together inside your mother's womb and scheduled every day of your life. This is the God that knew you even before he laid the foundations of this earth. This is the God that has your name written on the palm of his hand. And here he's asleep on board their ship. And I know he was very God, very man. I know he got tired and hungry just like all of us do. But... For the sake of this illustration, my friend, I'm saying he does not come on board our ship to be dormant. He doesn't come on board our ship to go to sleep. Could it be that somewhere along the line, after you invited him on board your ship, that because you haven't been talking to him, because you haven't been communing with him, that he sort of nodded off in the back of your boat? See, He wants to be in conversation with us as a way of life. He doesn't want to be ignored. He doesn't want to be neglected. You remember those of you that are followers of Christ, the thrill of, of knowing Him, the thrill of knowing that my sins have been forgiven, the thrill of knowing that I've been adopted in the family of God, the thrill of knowing that He's my Savior, my Lord, the thrill of knowing that He rescued me And then the world starts creeping in. The thrill of getting up and spending time with him. The thrill of communing with him. And then the enemy of our soul comes along and gets us distracted. The thrill of gathering with the body of Christ. And then the enemy comes along and gets us busy and and we neglect that. And we wake up one day and we realize that as it were he's gone to sleep on board our ship because we haven't been talking to him. We haven't been spending time with him. We've neglected him. And he's not intrusive. He wants to be Lord. He is Lord. He wants to be in control of your life. But he's a gentleman Lord. He wants you to love him the way he loves you. He wants you to spend time with him because of what he's invested in you. And he's invested his life in you, my friend. Scripture says he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You know, friendship is something that needs to be nurtured, not ignored. Relationships need to grow together. And when we fail to spend time together, either in marriage or in relationship, friendship, that relationship begins to wither and fade. It's no different than a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want that relationship with Him to be everything that He intends it to be, it means time spent with Him in communion with Him. They misunderstood His purpose. He had nodded off in the back of that boat And then the storm comes, the waves are breaking over the boat, and these guys wake up to the reality, we're going to die. I mean, it's that serious. I mean, no wonder they turned to him. They exhausted everything they needed to do. Row, trim the sail, bail it out. And then all of a sudden somebody thought about Jesus. Doesn't say who. Well, one of them went back and they shook him and woke him up. I mean, he's asleep in the middle of this kind of storm. What are you thinking? We're gonna die. And he gets up and says, peace, be still. I love what the text says. It was completely calm. That's our God, my friend. I don't know what you're going through. It may be financial, it may be physical, it may be emotional, it may be spiritual. And the storm is raging. And all he's waiting for you to do is say, Jesus. And he has the power to speak peace in the midst of the storm. You know, I've lived a very sheltered life in many respects. I was reared in a wonderful Christian home. I married a godly woman. And uh, Barbara and I have had a wonderful life together. Two times in my life that I can remember, I mean, major storms. One was the birth of our first child, and I thought my wife was going to die. Thankfully, everything turned out okay. Michelle's fine. Barb's fine. But for about two hours, I can remember standing in that hospital room in Roanoke, Virginia, thinking, I'm going to be a dad of a little girl without a wife. And the storm was raging. And I could take you to the spot out of room, just outside of room 523, where the presence of God spoke peace beyond comprehension into my life. I'm thankful, the story turned out good. About 27 years ago, 26 years ago, I was in Romania in the midst of the revolution, and I thought I was going to die. I didn't think I'd ever see my family again. The armed conflict was all around us. They were killing people in the streets. And all I can say is the presence of God invaded that room. And I turned over and went to sleep. With gunfire and everything all around me. You can't explain those kind of things other than the presence and the peace of God. That's who he wants to be in our life. And we can trust him. They misunderstood not only his mission, his ministry. His ministry is to take us to the other side in victory. He said, I've gone to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. The Bible says to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. I will not abandon you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I'm going to be with you to the end. You can take that to the bank and beyond, my friend, the bank of heaven. That's our God. That's his ministry. He comes into our life. He takes us through life. He takes us through death. You know, we we don't have to worry about death for us. The grave has lost its victory and the death has lost its sting. Now, I'm not looking for the Lord to get a load right now. I'm enjoying living. But you know, Christians die good. They do. Because we don't have to fear death. I I think Paul was living in that reality when he was in that prison in in Philippi. They said, we're going to kill you for preaching the gospel. He says, praise God, bring it on. I Go be with Jesus. I doesn't say this, but I like to think they got together and said, you know, this guy's excited about being executed. Maybe we should let him live. <laughs> so they go back and say, hey, Paul, we decided not to kill you. You're gonna, Praise the Lord. I'll say you and tell people about Jesus. What do you do with somebody like that? we am going to kill you. Hallelujah. No, we're going to let you live. Oh, thank God. You know, <laughs> I mean, we win either way because we know what his ministry is to take us to the other side in victory. That's the way he wants us to live. And he wants to be alive in our life, not dormant. Don't let him go to sleep on board your ship. Depend on him to be the Lord that he is as a way of life. He has no intention of getting you out in the sea of life and abandoning you. His purpose is to take you to the other side in victory, my friend. Sail with him. He didn't say it would always be easy. He didn't say there wouldn't be any storms, but he said he's going to take me to the other side in victory. Now I want you to see his majesty. The storm is raging. These guys think they're going to drown. And he stands up in the midst of that kind of storm and says, peace, be still. That's the majesty of our God. His majesty. His majesty. Question, is he Lord of your life tonight? Is he in his rightful place on board your ship tonight? Are you sailing through life in victory tonight? If not, I challenge you to put him on the throne of your life so that you can see the majesty of Almighty God in you. That's what he wants. He wants to use us to... Declare His majesty to a world all around us so that they can see the reality of Christ in us. We are to represent Him well as we sail through life with Him. My prayer for you is that you will put Him in His rightful place. That's your choice. You can choose to sail through life in your own strength, or you can choose to sail through life in victory. And I want you to live in victory. Would you bow your head with me? Lord, I thank you for the sweet presence of your spirit in this place. Lord, we prayed a few moments ago and asked that you would speak to us. And I believe you're doing that. And I pray that... uh, each of us would be obedient to whatever you might be saying to us even right now. And with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want you to think through a few things with me as we pray this prayer together. How many of you would say, Steve, I've invited him on board my ship, and I know that he's living in my heart. It's a testimony. Would you just raise your hand and say, That's me. I know, I don't have any question, that he is in my heart tonight. Thank you. What a beautiful sight. How many of you would say, in all honesty, Steve, I've misunderstood his position. And there are some areas in my life that I've been sailing in my own strength. I haven't let him be in control of all of my life. And I feel like he's speaking to me in the night. And I want to lay that before him. And I want to give that area of those areas of my life to him because I want him to be Lord of every area of my life. If God's spoken to you about something in your life that you need to give to him, would you just say, Steve, would you pray for me in that area? Just raise your hands. I want to, want to know. Thank you. What a beautiful, thank you for your honesty. How many of you would say, in all honesty, he sort of nodded off in my life? I can remember when I had this dynamic relationship with him. But somewhere along the line, either through business or sin or whatever, it's not what it was, and I want it back. I just want to say, Lord, visit me again by the power of your Spirit. I want you to be Lord of every area of my life. I want to live in communion with you. If that's you, would you just say, Steve, pray for me in that area. Would you raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you for again for your honesty. And maybe some of you are saying, man, I'm in the midst of a storm and I, I feel like I'm about to drown. And I've been turning all these different places and there's anxiety in my life. I feel like crying out the Lord, don't you even care? And I hear him saying to me tonight, yes, I care. But I need him to speak peace to me. I need peace in my life tonight. If that's you, would you say, Steve, pray for me in that area? Just raise your hand, thank you. Praise God. Lord, you've seen hands and you know our hearts. And I pray that each of us would simply be obedient to you. God, I claim victory tonight for each of these individuals. Thank you for their honesty. Thank you for their openness, their transparency. I pray that you would visit us in power. I pray, God, that we would sense your presence at Salem Fields in such a way that even those driving by would say something's going on there. I want to be a part of it. So not anything that I've done, Lord, I, I want you to just show up and, and show us your power tonight. Give us victory tonight. May no one leave this place in defeat. And one other thing I want us to pray about, if there's anybody here that says, Steve, I'm not even sure he's on my board my boat. But I feel like God's speaking to me and I want to know him tonight. I don't want to miss out on this. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, Steve, I want to know him tonight. I want to know that I know that I know him. I don't want to think so. I want to know so. Would you raise your hand and say, would you pray for me that I might know him? Anyone? Lord God, again, thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you stand with me? I'd just like you to keep your heads bowed as we... Now, I want to say a couple of things about me. I I want you to know that I I don't get people to raise their hands to to trick them into doing anything, so please know that. But there's something powerful about publicly affirming maybe what you've already committed to the Lord. And I'm going to ask the worship team to lead us in a song. And if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, you you just want to come and pray. You can pray by yourself or someone will come and pray with you. But whatever you committed to him, I'd like to ask you to act on that. It'll be an encouragement to you. It'll be another step where we slap Satan in the face and say, you're not going to defeat me any longer. I'm going to live in victory. And it'll be an encouragement to those here to know that God is moving. So. Don't come because I'm asking you, but if God's speaking to you as the worship team comes and and leads us, I want you to come and just kneel here, and we'll have a closing prayer in a few minutes. But you be obedient to whatever God asks you to do. In Jesus' name.